0: This is the Sea to Sky podcast with Marcus, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Welcome to another edition of the Sea to Sky podcast. My name is Marcus. I'm sitting with Alana Gillis, who is running for council, one of many people running for council. How are you today?
1: i'm fantastic and i'm really excited to be able to be on your podcast i didn't know about it before now so it's great to see the sea to sky region have something like this
0: well that's the idea is to bring more information and also get information out of the candidates to the people and to fully understand who they're voting for and uh and out of all the candidates that are out there how how are you going to stand out from the rest of them I'll just get right into it.
1: Wow, you just know how to drive it home, don't you? <laughs> um that's actually a great question. Um for me, how do I stand out? I think my approach. So, I am I have a background in public policy and what I'm noticing that that is bringing to my platform and to the way that I'm seeing the issues is is really a an approach that is based in making decisions along a series, uh, like a framework. So I think it's the way that I will approach things is through a framework versus uh, necessarily thinking I have all the answers. And um, I'm a human. I'm here to be human first. I think that the community of Squamish wants to know that the people on council can hear them. I think that the people of Squamish want to know that there's some empathy around the table and understanding somebody who's open-minded and willing to see things from their perspective. And I would say that I bring that first. So I'm not gonna come into a situation believing I have all the answers. I will sit down and I'll listen. And through that, I think, probably have my own views expanded. And from their approach decision making in a really level-headed and grounded way.
0: Now you're coming from a policy background, is it, and, and you, now you have that motivation to run, is it because we are lacking in certain aspects when it comes to policy with developments and past developments and projects here in Squamish, or you just feel like you can contribute something?
1: I feel like I can contribute something. I think there's a lot of good work that's that's happened already. When I look at the OCP, there's really good policy that's in there. Um, I think the district has gone a long way to address significant issues that we're facing today. So I'm sure there are policy gaps that we will find along the way, there always are. Um, But for me it really is about bringing my background, my experience, my skills, my strengths in contribution to the community that I'm really proud to call home.
0: From a policy standpoint, actually, there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, there's we're talking about housing and we're talking about building uh, or developing jobs here. Um, which do we do first? How do we regulate this? How do we zone this? Plus, you know, with with businesses here already um, trying to get by because of taxing, you know, the BC assessments. I mean, there's a there's a lot of policy work that needs to be you know looked at. From your standpoint, what should we be working on first? So
1: I think it's important to acknowledge the amount of effort, I mean, through this process I'm already learning so much more about the way that the district and council are responding to the issues that we're seeing. Um, I've read a lot of reports, there is, you know, the housing program, there's uh, looking at the real estate and facility management, there's a ton of work that's already in progress. So I want to acknowledge that, that it's, I think there's a lot of things that without digging into the work that is being done behind the scenes, it's easy to assume, well, we're not looking at it, we're not doing anything about it, or that council isn't. In terms of where to start first, there's a question I don't think anybody can answer. I think housing affordability is a major issue. I'm hearing about it. I'm currently you know, impacted by affordability, um, so it hits really close to home for me. It's a major a major thing to know that there's 0.0% vacancy, so people can't find rentals, businesses can't keep people. I think really what we need is to sit down as a council, what come do do up with a strategy that really sees the connection between all the things. So where do you start first? I think... I don't have that answer right now
0: so as a council what what can you do as a council to help with that sort of thing do you help with incentives to build rental housing do you when people buy a house do you give them a, or say extensions to their homes you give them a fast track with permitting to put in rental suites what kind of things we can do to help expedite sort of building rentals and create that rental market that's non-existent
1: yeah so that's a really good question I think there is some work underway to look at creation of a sort of housing authority or like a housing organization and then to locate district municipal and provincial lands to build housing developments on that would be really targeted to I believe it's like the low median income uh, earning families which I think is a really great start. I think in terms of encouraging rental, I've heard another issue around the Airbnb situation that we have in Squamish. Mm. I understand that there's a lot of units that are full homes, full apartments and and I think to some extent that those units could potentially be freed up for uh, rentals. I'm really sensitive to, we need to understand that market before we go in and, and decide to regulate or, or ban anything. I don't think banning anything is ever a good idea. It needs to be a little bit more nuanced than that. But to understand what's happening there, because I think that is a response to the affordability issue for a lot of homeowners. There may be a way to, you know, maybe put a cap on Airbnb units so that some of them are freed up for rental. Otherwise, in terms of development, um, I know that we can, in Squamish, uh, allow carriage, carriage homes in, in lame- lamely houses, so I think that's good. I think that we need to be uh, looking at encouraging different ways of thinking about things, too. From my perspective, I would love to see a shift to us looking at multi-generational, multi-family living situations, and in terms of the levers to incentivize that, you know, there are policies around development proposals and zoning and stuff like that that we could look at.
0: Because it comes down to space. We're very limited in space. We, we refer to it as the chicken and egg question. So we want to diversify the economy by bringing in businesses because you know, we have a pretty high tax burden, but yet we don't have the space to you know, house them or in our housing market has sort of been on a boon, but we don't want to sort of develop that at the rate we're developing, we should be smarter about it. It's all about where do we start? How do we find that balance? So I'm gonna pose the chicken and the egg question to you, mm-hmm. the housing or the employment.
1: I love what you're asking, and, and I think that it's actually the solution or the approach that we take actually needs to combine both. Housing affordability, housing is a human right. And so we've got a lot of people who are being forced out of Squamish. I have friends who've left because they can't afford housing. You know, there's an impact on homelessness and and poverty when, especially as a single, you're on your own. Um, So housing really needs to be approached as a human right. I know there isn't a lot of space. I mean, that's a difficult question that we're facing here. But I think that any solution needs to be like it needs to consider both and it's that balance. How to strike it, that's, that's a question. I don't know that you ever really strike full balance in life. It's kind of a teeter-totter and you're always kind of going back and forth. And so any solutions that are developed need to take that into consideration.
0: Yeah, there's no silver bullet to that answer. It's a question of management style. How would you manage that sort of predicament when you're creating policy for trying to create that balance? What, what would you be looking for in that policy?
1: I think for me, what it all comes down to is the bigger picture. What policies are already in place that are promoting local economic development? What policies are in place that are trying to address the housing affordability issue? I think there are both of those types of policies that exist. And I think it's really, for me, like I try to take that bigger picture view of how does this, how are the policies connected to that vision that we have of the town. And that's where I feel I've heard that in some cases people don't feel really clear about what the vision that we're working towards is. There is the OCP, are we a commuter town, are we a small town, where are we headed? And so any policies need to take that into consideration first, so let's rise above Let's get really clear about the vision that we want to have for the future,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what is going to be best in the long run, and from there, build the policies out.
0: I think the common ground that I think everyone's talking about is keeping people here and not be so much of a bedroom community or a community community, because you know with everyone commuting back and forth, they're missing out on what's happening here in town. And as you know I've mentioned this a couple of times with a few other interviews, um, is that the fact that you know, they're commuting into Vancouver every day, they come home, they wanna hang out with their family. It leads to less time volunteering into the community. So we've seen some big events shut down because of lack of volunteering, like the children's festival, the fall fair, and, and just because uh, the test of metal a few years back, just because people don't have the time and I don't blame them. If I'm on the highway hours of the day and then I work all day and come home, I'm gonna I'm gonna chill out at home with my family. I'm not gonna go and you know and help with it. I just you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's working towards keeping people here able them to house them here but also get them to be employed here Mm -hmm. so again it comes to that everything is cyclical everything is sort of joined together it becomes a catch-22 so I mean coming like I said from coming from a policy standpoint like finding something that's incentivized to everyone you're right there's no silver bullet to it and trying to find an answer it's just there's got to be some glimmer into how that could be achieved because no one everyone has a plan but it's, it's how we're gonna basically execute that plan.
1: Yeah, so I love what you're saying there because when you're talking about how are we gonna execute the plan, I immediately think of how are we as a community going to come together. The reality is that the issues that we're facing, they're not uh, isolated to Squamish alone. There's a lot of communities beyond Squamish that are facing really similar issues. Um, so we're we're kind of seeing a lot of the ex- externalities that are impacting our community. I want people to be able to stay. I wanna be able to stay in Squamish. I wanna see, I mean, the vision that I have is, Squamish has this really big heart. And in order to have a heart, you do need people who are employed in businesses locally. You do need people to be able to afford homes. And a variety of options, not just mortgages, I think rentals and different forms of housing are, are needed like what we need as a community is to come together. So what I would love to see is, is that there's, there are policies that need to be developed, but we need to start as a community acknowledging that we're all responsible and that we all get to be a part of the solution, that it can't just be left to council, that we all need to be engaged and involved in finding solutions and offering ideas and bringing things to the table. And that's the kind of council and leadership that I would like to see in our community, that we're all leaders, we're all part of it. Just to kind of go back to this idea of business and building the heart of Squamish, it's really important to ensure that our policies and our permitting process are not getting in the way of a business's ability to succeed. I've heard there's maybe some efficiencies that could, be, that could happen through the permitting process, through expansion for new businesses in the existing spaces that they're in. I think there's a lot of ways that we could try to streamline processes. Again, I don't have all the facts. Mm -hmm. People may be looking at this already, (laughs) but I think to the degree that we can encourage small business in Squamish uh, and different forms of business, I'd love to see clean technology, envirotech, recreation and tourism, all of those kind of businesses that I think really align with the vision and the values of Squamish going forward.
0: So are you talking about building from within? You're talking about supporting the businesses here and getting the people here and getting, uh, you know, building a heart here and and sort of helping what's already here. More people who will be moving here Mm -hmm. and there'll still be businesses that may want to come here or maybe perhaps want to attract businesses to come here. Uh, You're not totally adverse to that, obviously. No,
1: No, I actually love the idea. I think it was Jeff Koch who talked about it. I love the idea of actively going out, and I know there's the economic development uh, department, I think it's, it's exciting to see that kind of department for the district. But I love the idea of actively going out and saying who, what kind of companies are really representative of the values and the vision that we have going forward for Squamish, and how are we reaching out to them? Are we engaging with them? Are we saying Squamish is a desirable area? Let's talk. And so I think our ability to build relationships with forward-thinking, cool industries is really important. And we want to be able to attract business. I think that that comes with, you know, the whole question of employment lands and commercial space and mixed-use planning and and all of that. So it's maybe not quite as simple as just going out and saying, hey, come on here, and they're all going to show up at our doorstep. Um, and then you tie back to the housing, you know, well, exactly. uh, are they going to have housing? It's, it's one
0: of those things too, or yes, you'd like to bring in some business, but you know, there's some businesses would look for incentives and I don't think we have room to give any incentives mm-hmm. for businesses that come up here. Um, you know, and then we have the oceanfront lands where there are all some green tech companies will be coming in and there are a few other developments and there's some great companies here and you, you've touched on it before that they need room to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do agree with Jeff that you know, going out and reaching out and getting some of those companies to come in is great but as other candidates have alluded to there's, there's some great companies here that could use the space yeah. and it's just finding that space you mm-hmm. know? and it's again chicken and the egg question. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it's so true and I think like the reality is that any anything we come up with, there's going to be consequences, unintended impacts, and that's why it's just so important to be approaching these things with a really sound framework and also with a clear vision of where we're headed. I think balance is what we're aiming for. Part of community for me is about working with what you've got and also coming up with really creative solutions and creative approaches to working with the way things are. And I know there's a lot going on in the community, but I'd love to, as a counselor, be able to be out there and talking and creating those ideas and engaging with people and having the community engage in becoming, and becoming really resourceful. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's the reality. Like. Part of what we're struggling with is consumption at a global level. So the impact that we're seeing around housing and business and the cost of things, it's really driven by that. And at some point, we need to become resourceful. It's not always about more, more, more. Sometimes the reality is we need to work with what we've got.
0: I think we're at the point where we have to. I mean, yeah. the fact that amenities are, are struggling where we are a little bit thin on, on a lot of issues like, you know, fire halls, um, mm-hmm. municipal hall probably needs a new building, schools that are abutting uh, big developments, you know, downtown core, Brennan Park, for that matter. So alleviating some of these uh, amenity issues, are mm-hmm. we looking at... GAS or the the GS, they want to be called Garibaldi Squamish now. They they don't like the acronym GAS. They don't like that very much. (laughs) Don't blame them
1: for thinking about that one twice. (laughs)
0: So there's Garibaldi Squamish that they're going to come in and they're going to develop and they're going to bring jobs and taxes. Now, what do you think about developments like those?
1: So I'm going to give you a layered answer on that. I have my personal reaction, which is a little bit of a cringe
0: too big too soon?
1: There's so many questions about that particular development. I mean, there's a significant process that would have to happen for that to move forward. There's a lot of uncertainty. What is being proposed? I'm not sure who's who's gonna look after the infrastructure. What if it doesn't proceed the way the proposal is laid out? There's a lot to consider about that. Yes, I have my personal kind of, ah, not, not our Squamish. And at the same time, there's a lot to consider. It's not something I could say I'm immediately opposed to. It is something we need to look at through a very specific set of criteria. And a, but developments like that come with a lot of uncertainty and a lot right. of questions.
0: We did a podcast with them, and you know they, they put a lot of these issues at rest. And I think it's a question of information. But, you know, this, there's a lot of guarantees that they, they say they're putting in when it comes to roads and their own water sources. And it comes down to, I asked that same question, what happens with infrastructure 20 years down the road if it goes belly up? And they said there is a few uh, things in place, safeguards in place. It just comes down to the question of volume, right? It comes down to traffic on the highway. It comes down to do we do we need to have such a big development in our space and like, that's why I said before, I made that comment, too big too soon, is that, is that you know we're looking for diversity of economy, but is that too big of a project, you think, for Squamish?
1: As it stands right now, I feel I kind of almost want to take it back a step because there still needs to be a decision as to whether or not there's going to be a proposal made to Squamish. So there's some process that needs to happen before we even get there. I could easily put the cart before the horse on that one, but the reality is there's still some decisions about is this even going to come to the district? Is it gonna go to the SLRD
0: or? Well, they wanna come to the district. Yeah. So we would have to apply through the SLRD in the province to sort of do that. Um, I asked this question to uh, Karen Elliott. Would that come down to a referendum or? Would you want to put out a referendum to ask if we want to include sort of the Garibaldi Squamish because they can just become their own resort municipality, just like Mm -hmm. Whistler.
1: Yeah, they could. I imagine from their point of view, that is not the direction they want to go. Uh, Well, they
0: want to be part of Squamish so they can throw some taxes back into it.
1: Well, they want to be developers. Uh, That's what they're in the business of doing. So I don't think becoming a municipality really fits that for them. The, in terms of process, there. My understanding is there is a couple of different options. There is the option of referendum. I think we need to consider the the cost and the resources and the effort that would go into a referendum before making that decision. I also think I can't remember the name of, but there is an, an alternative process available under the community charter. So it would come to council to decide what that process looks like. My understanding is if 10% of the community signs a petition saying they want a referendum, then we've got to go. But I think either way, it needs to go to the residents of Squamish because this isn't a decision that council can make alone. It's a decision that we need to make as a community.
0: And I agree. So next up, LNG. (laughs) What about LNG, Marcus? (laughs) I think the consensus is we need to get our money and and be sure that we get all that we can get from them. I, I think at this point, saying no to LNG is not you know not in play.
1: Well, I, ultimately, the the decision doesn't really come down to the municipality have heard a lot about the tax revenue uh, question and agree we definitely need more information and to be at the table working with uh, Wood Fiber to make sure that what comes to the district is absolutely fair for the impact of that project.
0: Yeah, I think we need somebody at the table. I, I think agree. For the last four years, we haven't had really anybody there. I think now it's time to sort of roll up our socks. Is that the term? Roll up our sleeves. Pull, pull up our up socks. Pull up our
1: socks. Roll up our sleeves. And, and
0: get in there and start grilling, I think, and getting what I think was what's fair. And with that amenity money, uh, we're looking at this tax money. Obviously some will be safeguarded for, you know, uh, for other things when it comes down to the operation of it or for our own safeguards. But with that infusion of tax money, where do you think we should, again, it's a, You know, what, what are your pet projects is pretty much what I'm, I'm trying to get pet, to.
1: Pet projects. Yeah. So, so that's kind of an interesting question. The reality is Squamish needs to make some investment. I mean, I've been reading the Real Estate and Facilities Management Report, and there are some major upgrades and critical buildings that, that need updating, and I think You know, when you consider running a business and serving customers, which essentially we're serving the community of Squamish, we really need to consider what is the critical infrastructure that is essential for being able to do that? And then what are the services or the course, what's the core of what we need to be offering in the community? As our responsibility as as a government, and so looking at where to invest that money, I think we need to consider what the priorities are based off what's critical at this time, and and kind of create a plan for that. I think the reality is that that money is going to be spoken for. For me, big picture, I can I've got lots of dreams for Squamish. Does it need to be the district that does it? I don't think so, <laughs> but but. Honestly, what I keep coming back to is, is like we really need to be looking at what is going to benefit the community as a whole. Mm-hmm. How are we going to use this money in a way that is really beneficial to the entire community? And if that means that it's part of the operate, it needs to go towards operation capital projects, um, like making sure that the roads are safe. Whatever, it, that's where it needs to go first and foremost.
0: Speaking of making the road safe, with uh, acclaimed Mayor Jack Crompton in in, in Whistler, he's talked about uh, opening up to Squamish about creating a regional transit authority, uh, or at least create regional transit in the community again. Mm -hmm. How do you see regional transit developing within the corridor?
1: Yeah, well, I think there's been already quite a bit of work that's happened around that, and it really is, you know, more around the governance that you're referring to, I think, and also the the costing of that. I think we, BC Transit, is is providing the service. So I think that there's some work underway there around figuring out the costing and the model of that.
0: Yeah, because with Greyhound uh, shutting mm-hmm. down service, right, there's going to be a, a bit of a lag, I think. Um, yeah. You, you, I guess you wouldn't be opposed to private sector sort of carry yeah. in the meantime, because I think... What I, what I love to see, and this is what other candidates have said, like if you're sending your kids to ski school, have them all go on a bus and setting them up that way instead of having 25 individual cars mm-hmm. and sort of alleviating some pressure on the highway yep. would be you know, incredibly beneficial.
1: Absolutely. So I, I kind of get excited about this idea because what I love about transit is you could approach it, like any strategy needs to be, I think public transit is necessary. I think it's uh, for a lot of people, it's kind of like the lifeblood of getting around. And so absolutely there needs to be some public transit, but that's not the only solution. I think if we're gonna provide enough (laughs) rides for everybody going back and forth in the sea to sky and to Metro Vancouver, there needs to be an approach that really fosters like an entrepreneurial response. So we've got the Squamish connector. My understanding is they were interested in expanding their routes and frequency we also have things like pop ride and rideshare programs, and I think ride sharing is a really great way to one, reduce traffic, two, reduce emissions, and three, get to know people in your community. If you're driving into the city every day, why not ride with a few people? Um, so it would be really cool to see some partnerships and collaboration around coming up with different ways of addressing the need for
0: transportation. So is there uh, any, anything else we left out you want to cover?
1: So there's two things. Okay. Yeah, totally. I'm sorry I didn't touch on those. <laughs> I mean, they're definitely um, probably not on specific issues. That's not where I'm going right now. But I have to say that the process of running for council so far has been one heck of a learning journey mm-hmm. and an incredible experience. For anybody in the community who is even remotely thinking of becoming more engaged, I can say that this learning process, it's blown my mind. And there has been a lot of support and a lot of encouragement and a lot of people being really uh, excited to see not just me, but a whole bunch of candidates who are young and forward-thinking running in this election. So I have to acknowledge that. And then the other piece, I just want to say thank you. I think what you're doing with the podcast is amazing. I would love to see where you continue after the election (laughs) because, again, it's kind of you're getting these issues that we're talking about in our community out to the community in a conversational way. And I think these are the kinds of conversations we need to be having. Um, and we need to be engaging around the issues in a really thoughtful, considerate way. So, Speaking
0: of learning curve, uh, uh, thank you for the comment. Uh, speaking of learning curve, it me of another question I should ask. Yeah. Uh, when you get into council, if elected, uh, you're looking at a council with a lot of, a lot of fresh faces, yep. not a lot of incumbents. Yep. So there will be a sharp learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, see, coming from a policy background, a lot of people will be looking at you to help along the process because mm-hmm. there will be a lot of uh, bright eyed, bushy tailed people there as well. Yes. But you're going to be a little bit hampered down, I think, with the process of what it means to be on council.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you pointed that out because, I mean, even I've got a policy background and even I kind of came into the initial process of running really the bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, the super-excited, have got all these great ideas. The reality is that there's a process, there are laws, there are constraints, there's real structure in the way that council has to approach things. It's the same in organizations people come in and they're so excited and they've got really big ideas and the reality of the system that they step into can feel sometimes frustrating and discouraging. There is policy lag it's a it's real things take time and there's a really considered process to to pushing through policy so, that is a reality. Luckily, I've had experience working in regulations, so I know what it's like to come in super excited and be left a little bit frustrated. I also think it's just about managing expectations. Let's be realistic. Let's be pragmatic. There's lots of big ideas, but we need to approach it with some degree of, of practicality.
0: So how do people get in touch with you? Where's Where's your platform where they can find more information?
1: Well, wow. I'm really encouraging people to reach out to me. For me, relationships are everything. So people can get a hold of me on my email. Uh, it's alannakgillis at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Facebook. I do have a Facebook page. It's at Vote for the Love of Squamish. So you can find me there. But I really do enjoy connecting with people in person so to the extent that they want to reach out they i would love to hear from them
0: well thank you for joining me today helena and uh, good luck thank you this is the Sea to sky podcast if you have a comment or story ideas please check out our website at sea to sky or on facebook and twitter at Sea to sky podcast thank you for clicking us on